Chapter Fifteen of the Three Midshipmen. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Three Midshipmen by William Henry Giles Kingston. Chapter Fifteen. In Search of Jack. Three of the archers' boats were manned and under the command of Lieutenant Hemming murray having charge of one and adair of the other we were about to shove off and proceed up the river to search for their missing shipmates when a sail was seen from the masthead standing down toward them she was quickly made out to be a large ship and in a short time little doubt remained that she was an english frigate captain grant therefore ordered the boats to delay their departure that a more powerful expedition might be forthwith dispatched to compete with any enemies with whom they might fall in hurrah she's our own ship the ranger exclaimed adair who had gone aloft to have a look at the stranger and now came below to make his report to hemming captain lascelles is just the man to back up captain grant if he knows any barracoons or slavers strongholds of any description he will be for going in and blowing them all up without a moment's delay to prove that Adair was right, the ranger soon after made her number, and at the same time another sail appeared to the northward. She turned out to be a brig of war, the Wasp. Captain Grant immediately went on board the frigate. Captain Nacelles entered fully into his plan, and instead of three, as soon as Wasp came up, fortunately ten boats started on the expedition. Hemming was much gratified when Captain Lascelles declined to supersede him assuring him that no one was better qualified to be entrusted with the command there is always something very exciting in an expedition no matter what the object but when there is some uncertainty and danger and a prospect of fighting everybody gets into the highest possible spirits murray and adair would have been in high spirits also had they not been anxious about jack not that they were very unhappy they had all so often missed each other and been in difficulties and dangers that they thought he would turn up somewhere before long the boats dashed over the bar and pulled up to the south branch as it was flood tide they made rapid progress they had gone some way up when they saw someone on the bank of the river beckoning them a mere naked nigger said adair looking through his glass not worth waiting for him i should think hemming seemed to be of the same opinion for the boats continued their progress seeing this the negro set off running as fast as he could go was soon lost to sight in the jungle not long after they came to the end of a reach then it appeared that the river doubled back as it were on itself hello there's something in the water ahead of us sang out adair to murray it's a negro swimming off to us do you see him sir said murray to hemming whose boat was near his the negro lifted up his hand as if trying to make a signal to them and wishing to be taken onto one of the boats Hemming told Murray to pull towards the negro and ascertain what he wanted. In a few minutes, Murray had hauled the young negro lad into his boat. What does you want, my lad? asked Alec in his usual kind way. The poor negro evidently wanted to speak, but could not find English words enough to express himself, though he was very voluble when employing his own language. No sooner, however, had Murray returned to the line of boats and retaking his place near Hemming than the black lad's countenance brightened up. Ah, oh, Massa Hemming, Massa Hemming, he exclaimed, trying to spring into the lieutenant's boat. He would, in his eagerness, have jumped overboard had not some of the seamen held him back. 
he seems to know you sir said murray is is me no massa hemming is his kind massa exclaimed the young negro eagerly catching the words let him come into my boat and i'll hear what he's got to say said hemming greatly to the delight of the negro who clearly understood him no sooner was the black lad on board hemming's boat than he seized his hand and kissed it and showed every mark of affection then with evident eagerness and haste he made all sorts of signs aiding them by such few words as he knew man come bad no no he said pointing up the river hemming understood that someone would come and try and mislead them and that they were not to trust him then hemming tried to ascertain the fate of the missing boat's crew his heart sank when the negro explained by signs that he could not mistake that they had all been murdered no one escaped he asked the negro shook his head no not one survived it appeared murray and adair were soon made acquainted with the information and then indeed they began to fear that jack rogers their gallant jovial companion was lost to them for ever grief and indignation and a desire to punish the perpetrators of the deed took possession of their hearts that was but natural it is difficult to distinguish between revenge which is wrong and a desire to punish evil-doers when we ourselves are affected by their misdeeds the young negro after talking away and making signs to hemming for some time longer desired to be put on shore murray was ordered to convey him there good man good man massa hemming he kept saying all the time take care bad man come off shore as soon as he landed off he darted again through the mangrove bushes and was lost to sight he seems to be an old friend of yours sir observed murray when he got back yes i find that he is a lad i once when he was a young boy jumped overboard to save in the west indies after he had been taken out of a slaver answered hemming carelessly he made me out when we were in the river before taking the spanish schooner he has ever since been watching for an opportunity to speak to me i cannot make out exactly what he wishes to guard us against some treachery i conclude i could not fancy that he would have recollected me so long it shows that blacks have grateful hearts having sympathized much with murray and adair for he knew of their attachment to jack and he fully believed that he had been lost with the rest bitter and sad were their feelings oh jack jack muttered adair in a tone of grief are you really gone the flotilla of boats proceeded some way further when a large canoe was seen paddling out towards them from the shore a burly negro sat in the stern and made a profound salaam with his palm-leaf hat as he approached me first pilot in this river he shouted with a stentorian voice take me board come show me way hemming ordered his crew to cease rowing and took him into his boat to hear what he had got to say for himself he had however exhausted nearly all his vocabulary in his first address and there was some difficulty in understanding him in vain hemming tried to gain some information about the missing boat and her crew the negro either knew nothing or was resolved not to tell at last he produced a book of certificates when hemming had glanced over them he burst into a fit of laughter and handed them back the big negro looked exceedingly indignant and striking his breast repeated vehemently me good man me show way many of the certificates had been far from complimentary to the negro but still hemming thought that he might be useful as a pilot till he recollected the warning he had just received this undoubtedly the very fellow i was to expect he said to himself no no you go on shore we can do without you he exclaimed addressing the negro 
the burly savage blustered and protested but he was made to step into his canoe which had been paddling alongside and hemming signified to him clearly that he must take himself off they then observed him watching them for some way then he hauled up his canoe and taking a path inland they saw no more of him they had pulled on for half an hour or more when murray caught sight of a board floating in the water he could scarcely account for the impulse which made him steer towards it and pick it up his eye brightened as he looked at it hurrah he shouted joyfully hurrah jack rogers is alive here is a note from him there's no doubt about it it is short though it says a prisoner up south branch jack r the shout was taken up by his own crew and the crews of all the other boats and the banks of the stream rang with their loud hurrahs this brief notice instigated all hands to make still greater exertion and to try and recover jack wherever he might be on they went reach after reach of the winding river was passed and they had got a long way up higher than any of them had ever been before when a shot seeming as if it came out of the bank flew over their heads another and another followed we are just in front of the pirates battery exclaimed hemming on lads on we'll storm it without delay the seamen required no further encouragement a shower of rockets was first fired into the enemy's fort then on they dashed in spite of the heavy fire of musketry as well as of grape-shot and langrage which was opened on them in return to their rage and disappointment the boats stuck on the mud-bank just outside the stockades which they only then discovered many of the seamen leapt out of the boats and attempted to wade onwards but they either at once sank into the mud or fell forward into the deep ditch where several were shot down before they could be rescued by their comrades while others were drowned or smothered in the mud it was horrible work an enemy whom they despised was close to them and yet they could not be got at hemming his heart burning with anger and grief at the loss of so many poor fellows and the almost hopelessness of success ordered the boats to shove off with the intention of making an attack on some other part of the fort the blacks continued firing away under the cover without much fear of being hit in return it was melancholy to have to retire and to see the bank from off which the water had begun to recede strewed with the bodies of those who a few minutes before were as full of life and energy as themselves before getting to any great distance murray thought he saw a channel to the right which must run near the fort he pointed it out to hemming who told him to lead the way he was right the negroes had neglected to fortify it and in a few seconds the boats were close up to the stockades not a moment was lost in storming them and hauling them down in rushed the gallant blue jackets led on by hemming murray and adair and other officers and at length they got their black enemy face to face there's rogers there's rogers shouted murray and adair for they both saw him at the same time they were certain of it though his features were considerably begrimed with powder smoke and dirt this was incentive enough to make them push on with still greater haste had they not been eager to punish the abominable slave dealers and their crew of ruffians the brave fellows little knew the terrible trap prepared for them murray and adair had sprung on ahead and believed that in another minute they would have rescued jack from the grasp of his captors when they felt themselves suddenly pulled back by hemming and will needham back back lads back sang out the lieutenant at that moment up ascended right before them a mass of earth and stones and wood 
with a dense cloud of smoke and dust accompanied by a terrific roar and they felt themselves lifted off their feet and sent heels overhead while down upon them came showering all the more solid portions of the above-mentioned materials about their ears as they lay half stunned and stifled and vainly endeavouring to rise another foot in advance and they had been blown up to destruction hemming had seen the old spaniard fire his pistol into the tub and guessed what was coming murray and adair felt themselves very much hurt so indeed were hemming and needham while several poor fellows were maimed or killed outright the two schoolfellows after lying stupefied for a few seconds lifted up their heads and began to crawl out from the mass of ruins which surrounded them where's jack exclaimed murray where's jack cried adair getting upon his legs and helping murray who was more hurt than he was they were the first words they uttered he had not been out of their thoughts in spite of the dreadful commotion as the smoke cleared away they caught sight of a group of fugitives among whom they supposed he was ascending the hill which rose beyond the fort they were eager to pursue but when they looked round and saw so many of their companions disabled and lieutenant hemming himself on the ground they could not help fearing that pursuit would be hopeless still they were moving on when hemming recovering himself called them back it's of no use lads he cried the scoundrels have escaped us this time see see too we have work here as he spoke flames burst forth out of the barracoon part of which had been blown up by the mine the seamen who could stand wounded or not rushed forward led by their officers to help the miserable slaves they hacked away desperately to get them free of their manacles trying to cut through the solid iron or the beams to which the chains were secured meantime the hot flames were raging around them and almost prevented them from performing their work of mercy still in spite of the fire the heat and the smoke and the possibility of being again blown up the undaunted fellows laboured on numbers of the poor slaves had been liberated and several children had been carried off who would otherwise have been left with their mothers to perish but at last the terrific element gained the upper hand the seamen's clothes were literally scorched off their backs before they would quit the work of humanity on which they were engaged but even they were at last obliged to retreat leaving the miserable captives to their fate again and again however now one now another would make a dash in among the flames and try to haul out some poor burning creature whose imploring cries their tender heart could not withstand one gallant fellow was killed by the falling of a burning beam before they would desist altogether from their brave efforts by this time the retreating slave traders had got completely out of sight and when lieutenant hemming looked round and saw the number of men he had lost and the disabled state of some of his boats and of so many of his followers he felt that he could in no way be justified in attempting to continue the pursuit an officer often shows his bravery and fitness for command as much by his discretion and holding back as by pushing forward hemming was just one of these men if he thought a thing ought to be done he did not stop to consider what others would say about it he did it he now ordered his party to collect and having conveyed some of the lighter guns to the boats and spiked and turned the others over into the mud and set fire to what would burn in the fort he ordered all hattons to make preparations for embarking with the rescued slaves as well as with four spaniards three of whom were wounded 
and several negroes who had been captured he had formed a plan which he hoped to carry out some time however was occupied in repairing two of the boats one was so completely destroyed that he could not carry her off before all these arrangements were concluded and the party were prepared to embark it was late in the day hemming wanted by a show of retreating to throw the slave dealers and negroes off their guard and then to make a sudden dash up the stream and come upon them unawares having previously sent down the river to the ship some of the boats with the captured slaves the rest of the officers agreed to the plan as soon as he propounded it to them and murray and adair were consoled at the thought of soon being able to return and attempt jack's rescue the state however of his wounded men and the difficulty of navigating the river in the dark compelled hemming to bring up sooner than he had intended a spot of high ground near the river which he thought might be easily defended induced him to land some bamboos and young trees were cut down to form a stockade fires were lighted sails were spread to form tents and every preparation was made for passing the night i only wish that jack was here he would enjoy this observed paddy to alick i say by hook or by crook we must get him out of the hands of these ruffians i've been turning the matter over in my mind and i am resolved if mr hemming does not think fit to go back and try and rescue jack that i will make the attempt myself i could very soon black myself all over and a nigger's costume will not take long to extemporise i'd soon frizzle up my hair and with an old palm-leaf hat on top of it and my shirt with the tails hanging down and tied round the waist by a piece of rope yarn i should look every inch of me a blackamoor capital observed murray i'll accompany you if we find better measures fail but i still fear we should run a great risk of being discovered by the blacks not a bit of it answered adair the very daring of the thing which throw them off their guard they would never expect that two white people could so speedily turn themselves into niggers of course we must pretend to be dumb though we can talk first-rate nigger gibberish in the berth it won't pass current i fear among the natives of these parts not very likely however your idea of pretending to be dumb is good i think i'd better pretend to be an idiot answered murray but the question is who will they take us for where do you fancy they think we will have come from my idea is that we should rather try and find where jack is without falling foul of any of the natives i want to set off directly it is dark clamber up the hill where we saw him last and cut him out it is to be done i am certain and jack is well worth all the risk we should have to run that he is exclaimed adair warmly there's nothing i wouldn't do for him and i'm sure he would do anything for us the subject was fully discussed and then the midshipmen went to hemming and asked leave to put their plan into execution hemming might on another occasion have been inclined to laugh at the proposal but he was too anxious to get jack out of the slaver's power for he felt his hands tied somewhat with a fear of what the blacks might do to the midshipmen should he attack their town he was therefore ready to try any plan however desperate to recover rogers having obtained the leave they wanted to put their plan into execution murray and adair set to work to devise the details as they could only hope to carry out their schemes at night they agreed that they need not be very particular as to the correctness of their masquerade there was no time to get any dye but burnt cork well rubbed in with oil they agreed would answer the purpose it was too late however to take any active steps that night 
it was settled that the next morning the flotilla with some parade should proceed down the river while they with dick needham and a picked crew should lie hid in the smallest boat until dusk the next evening then they were to land and to try and find out where jack was once discovering the locality of his prison they fully believed that they could as they called it cut him out as easily as many a rich spanish galleon has in days of yore been cut out from an enemy's fort even though protected by the guns of the fort the night passed away quietly the party had expected an attack from the slave dealers but these gentry had received a sufficient notice of the warm reception they were likely to encounter not to make the attempt in the naming however murray who had a lookout while the rest were preparing to strike their tents observed a party approaching with a white flag he reported what he had seen to lieutenant henning the impudent scoundrels he proclaimed no flag of truce ought to shelter them however while poor rogers is in their power we must treat them as best we can the party soon arrived at the temporary encampment the most prominent person was the burly negro who had introduced himself down the river as a pilot and there was a spaniard and several blacks the big negro was spokesman as he professed to know more english than any of the rest hemming received them in a very haughty way what do you want have you come to excuse yourselves for firing on my boats and killing my people he asked in a stern voice it was difficult to understand exactly what the negro said in return but hemming made out that he knew nothing about firing on the boats as he had not been at the fort but that he had been sent by the king of the country to demand back some prisoners who had been taken while defending the territories of the said king against an unlawful attack made on them by the english boats also there were some spanish cavaliers his honoured allies who must be likewise restored to liberty there were some slaves too who must be given up or the king would visit the english with his intense displeasure the long rigmarole of a speech of which this was the substance would have made hemming laugh on any other occasion however now he merely replied listen tell the king or whatever he calls himself that the english are here to punish evil-doers to set slaves at liberty to put a stop to the slave trade to encourage commerce and to prevent wars if people we have caught are found to be pirates as such they will be hung we keep no terms with people who like him support piracy and the slave trade Hemming said something more to the same effect the negro however had a last card to play which he fancied would win the game ah then if you kill our people the king says he will kill a little officer we have of yours his life may not be worth much but he shall die the negro grinned horribly as he said this if he does exclaimed hemming furiously tell the king that we will never rest till we have pulled him off his throne and his town about his ears and burnt up all his country now you've got my answer go hemming wisely would not condescend to say another word after this he knew pretty well how to treat such barbarians the sable ambassador in his motley suit finding that nothing more was to be got out of the english officer took his departure scarcely had he gone when a figure was seen to creep out from among some bushes in the neighbourhood it proved to be the negro lad who had warned them of the black pilot's intended treachery he ran forward and threw himself at hemming's feet showing every sign of delight at finding him again hemming at once thought of asking him about jack 
the very thing it proved he had come about he had heard of him and had gone and discovered where he was shut up and understood that his captors talked of killing him should any harm befall their people who had been taken prisoners hemming felt sure that he might be fully trusted so did murray and adair they therefore explained their plan to him and asked him to assist them this he at once joyfully undertook to do very little change in their plan was necessary he agreed to act as their guide they were to assume the character of slave boys belonging to a distant tribe who he was conducting to his uncle a chief of some influence in the country and was secretly favourable to the english wasser the negro lad assured them he was very glad they had not ventured to make any attempt by themselves as their detection would have been almost certain hemming delayed as long as he could before embarking and he promised to wait for murray and adair some way down the river while they went on their expedition their boat with dick needham their new friend wasser and three other picked men all well armed shoved off with the other boats and soon darting it towards a sheltered nook which they had before observed lay as they believed perfectly concealed from all passers-by wasser however advised them to cut down boughs and to fasten them in front of the boat this they did and as paddy observed they could not desire to pass the day in a pleasanter way than in a shady bower with nothing to do and plenty to eat End of chapter fifteen